It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Merry Christmas, happy holidays from the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Nate Bauer back with me, having some fun today in the lead up to Christmas on Saturday. We're doing an end of the season sort of thing, season superlatives. Best of Penn State football for 2021. So, Nate, how you doing? Are you ready to uh, have most improved and most congenial, most likely to succeed? As as soon as as soon as you said best of Penn State football 2020-21, I thought this is a joke. We should just end the show. Let's just <laughs> cut it. Everyone's so cynical. It's like this is a good time to reminisce on the good times. There were like five listen, good games. Listen, the they've infected me. I, I always <laughs> use the same example. It's like Ghostbusters two. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm New York City, just enveloped with pink slime. <laughs> you're, you're one of the people get. You're one of the people getting off the Titanic. That's correct. Is that the first that's one or correct. the second one? I think I think that's the second one. The, yeah. the second one is is when uh, your your love lifts me higher and higher. Right. Yeah. And the, the Statue of Liberty's walking around, and it, yeah, that's the one with Vigo the Conqueror, right? Yeah, but yeah. but the whole the whole city is infected with sludge and it and it makes everybody miserable. They they're really mean to each other. Yes. And so it it gets even the best of us. I remember being really scared of that movie as a kid. That movie freaked me out because of the the painting. He was Yeah, creepy. with the eyes that follow you. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't like that. Uh, so, you know, there's some good things. There's some good football players. There's some good things to look at for Penn State football. So I wanted to get into some of that. Um, I've got a list of superlatives that I came up off the top of my very, uh, crowded head. So if I've missed anything, we can add them in as we go. But, uh, I got a couple of, of categories, best play. Best season stat line. We can go offense and defense. A lot of this is going to be some repeats because as you just pointed out, little thin here and there for like there's not going to be a running back that's going to be really mentioned during this show so I want to start with um let's start with I guess best play of the season uh what do you think what 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 comes to mind when I say best play for Penn State football on offense oh man uh yeah it's not I mean it's not a deep it's not a deep pool. I mean, certainly Jahan Dotson had his moments that would stand out. I mean, <laughs> I we're off to a fast I start. I mean, I, let me, listen, let, like, let I, me go first. Seeing as this is all my idea, let me go first. Uh, yeah. So the, the play that kept coming to mind for me was the touchdown that uh, Sean Clifford threw to Jahan Dotson in the back of the end zone against Auburn. And let me say why. Sure. The play was right. It, 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 what I mean by play. So the offensive line blocked that. Clifford stayed in the pocket. Nothing was open. 
So then he scrambles out, keeps his eyes downfield, and hits Dotson in the back of the end zone, who makes a great catch for a touchdown. It was a big moment in that game for Penn State football. So uh, both the offensive line, the quarterback, and finally the receiver all made their plays on that particular play, and that's the one that comes to mind for me because that was a game-changing play early on. Yeah. Um, No, I mean, look, like there were certainly some... uh, The problem is is when when you do a category like this, you want to look at right what were the defining moments of the biggest wins for Penn State and i don't think that there's any question that Wisconsin and Auburn meet that criteria right like yeah. th- those are those are big wins any way that you slice it but offensively right like i mean you could you could point to Dotson's touchdown, right? I mean, it's 50 yard touchdown, whatever that was, whatever the number was um, in that Wisconsin game is kind of being a, a, a game changer. But I mean, he just, he just beat the coverage. Yeah. Right. Like it wasn't necessarily a spectacular play. I guess my, my only point is, is so many of Penn state's instances through the season offensively were just, you just didn't have a lot to choose from. I, I the, the Dotson touchdown yeah. against Maryland, yeah. Right. Like, I mean, the, the yeah. 80 yarder, the that's a great one to bring up. That's a great one to bring up because, again, it was great scheme. It was a great play by the offense, like from the quarterback protection, all that standpoint. It was I, I think that's a good one there. because And it was sure. also put them up 21 14 and yeah. it, it widened the gap in the game they had to win. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, it's that uh, Dotson would be at the center of most of those plays. I think. Think is a fair evaluation. We got to save a couple of his catches for best catch of the season. <laughs> sure. So I went. Sure. I was trying really hard to find like a Parker Washington catch or something like that. And you, yeah, you, yeah. But no, it's. I mean, I'm. I'm looking right now. I uh, just a just a cheat sheet for myself. I did a a mid season highs and lows, right? Where I mm-hmm. took every game, every game I do as the game is happening, I fill in the highs and lows from the game. So the best pass, the play of the game, what have you. And I really took like, and this is kind of, it speaks to the nature of Penn State season, how things played out that I think that if, if you took a, a mid season highs and lows and an end of season highs and lows, the first half of the season highs and lows would virtually be the same yeah. in the second half of the season. It would, they would, they would carry through because there it, just weren't that many in the second half. Yeah. They got, they got two wins against Maryland and Rutgers. So you're not really going to feel the same way about those that you would about plays against other teams that, you know, mattered early in the season in far, as far as ranking and, and prestige and all those things. So best play on defense. What comes to mind for you, the best play on defense? Yeah, I th- I mean, certainly in terms of impact, I think that that Brisker's interception and take Brown's interceptions, the, the way that they finished the Wisconsin game yeah. have to have to be up there just because. And it, it's funny, uh, James Franklin mentioned it with the Manny Diaz introduction the other day, how. It. Uh, Turnovers are low-hanging fruit, right? That, yeah. that you want to be able to capitalize on them more. But the way that they did uh, this season, the way that they executed and and finished obvious turnovers, that was an improvement on the year before. 
that was an improvement on 2020 when they had lots of opportunities to, to make interceptions, force fumbles, what have you. Um, they just weren't able to complete those plays this year in that moment with Wisconsin threatening to, to really to win the game. Um, you know, the, either one of those opportunities for Wisconsin could have been a 17 to, to 16 win for, for the hosts. Right. And so yeah. for, for Brisker to take advantage and, and make that interception for Tig Brown to, to make that interception, those interceptions late in that game. Yeah. Those have to be up there. So I, I'm going to go with a random play from the Ohio state game because I watched it earlier today and it comes to mind uh, a couple things before I get to that play, I wanted to come up with a Jaquan Brisker play at some point in the season, but late in the year, the final four games last month of the season, he was targeted four times. Yeah. That's it. And three yeah. of them came against Maryland where he allowed a play where he allowed uh, six yards on two catches. So people just stopped throwing at Brisker over the final month of the season. Uh, but Ellis Brooks in one play, cause I did a scouting report on him earlier this week. And one of the plays that stuck out to me was the play against Ohio State, where Jackson Smith and Jigba gets away from Daquan Hardy, and Ellis Brooks comes off his assignment in coverage. He was covering the the running back on the boundary, so basically the, the running back's the corner. He comes off his assignment and puts his shoulder through the the football and through the player to get a pass breakup uh, and a stop for a third down. That was a really good individual play, but it was also a part of a good framework for Penn State's defense where they were able to to make that play and keep that game close for a long time. But you're right. When it comes to the big plays this season, especially for the offense, they're all dink and dunk plays. There's a lot of there's a lot of like, oh, that was a good seven yard completion. <laughs> yeah, no, they just their explosiveness was was down it. I'm, I'm listening to myself and. Uh, the the objective version of me doesn't like what I'm hearing because it's it wasn't that they were scoring three points a game yeah right like it wasn't it wasn't this abject failure they they were close in in so many of those games in the second half of the season obviously they were close at at Iowa um you, you know their first loss of the season but. So there were plays, there there were things here and there. It's just yeah. that they found themselves on the losing side of of so many of those. Like <laughs> the defining plays of all of those games were made by Penn State's opponents, yeah. right? Like, and not like a ton of defining plays, but just right. If if I'm thinking of the best defensive play of the year, it's Ohio State's sack, force fumble, return for a touchdown. Yeah. That's it. That, that was that was the game. That was that was it. So no, I I just um it's 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 a dicey proposition for this team given the way that things played out this season. Uh, what's your and I'm I'll go first on this one because I want to give you some time to go look something up so that you have a good answer here. But uh, yeah. best stat line of the season. There's there's one answer and I'm just giving you time to go Google uh, the stat line for Jahan Dotson. But I'll give you the defensive answer. <laughs> Ellis Brooks had okay. 80 tackles. He had 45 stops and he had. 264 yards given up on 35 catches. So a solid season of coverage, but the stops, the tackles, and uh, the ability to make plays at, in the run game at the line of scrimmage, I thought that was the best stat line of the season because I'm saving all of Arnold Ebikiti stuff for later in the, in the show. Sure. Are we, we're just going to gloss right over Sean Clifford? He did? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give, give Listen, it. Give it. Twice. 
20 touchdowns, six interceptions. Yeah. You can live with that. You want the touchdowns to be higher, obviously, but yeah. interceptions is relatively low given the circumstance. Uh, no, but yeah, obviously, Jahan Dotson, 91 catches for Jahan for 11.82 in the yardage plus 12 touchdowns. It's funny that you mention it. Uh, I did a series in the summer for this very thing previewing Mm -hmm. the season where it was better or worse, right? Like just a very basic proposition of were, were stat lines, whether it was for individual players or position groups, were they going to be better or worse than they had been the season before? And just given his 2020 season, right? It's kind of hard to to think that that Dotson would have been better, but he was, (laughs) He, he yeah. was. I mean, certainly in, in, in 12 games, you know, I think he finished with eight touchdowns last. I'm trying to bring it up right now. Uh, I think he finished with eight touchdowns last season. Let's see here. Last year, he was at, it's actually almost the same. Eight touchdowns in nine games last year, 52 catches. If you play that out, he would have finished with uh, fewer catches yeah. last year than he did this year. But yardage-wise, 98.22 yards per game last season. And I think it's virtually identical i think it's 98 something uh for this season as well yeah yeah Uh, he he was he was everything for the penn state offense and one of the things that i was impressed with too is given the fact that he had so many bubble screens and short completions his uh, pff tracks yards per route run so the number of yards you get versus all your routes so if you're just running empty routes and you're just out there it doesn't mean you're productive per play. So he got uh, 2.42 yards per route run, which is a a solid number given the inability to get some of those deep passes in the deep passing game. And and, and the big, big, big plays didn't come till the end of the season. And he was doing so much work in the short area, catching bubble screens and and six yard check downs and stuff like that. Uh, Moving on to best run blocker. (laughs) <laughs> best run blocker what? nate uh do you want me to go first again or do you want to go first uh yeah you t- i mean can i say Jahan dotson is that okay <laughs> uh sure sure why not i don't so this is actually interesting that i when i went back and i looked i i had not uh done a deep dive into individual players to so some of the season set season ending wrap-up stuff and Brent Strange actually ended the season as a very good run blocker. His his PFF grade was seventy nine point nine. He uh, the first month of the season was rough, and that's after the Villanova game. We had the conversation about the tight ends not blocking well, and some of that particular conversation over the first month where they weren't living up to that. But after that, he was a solid contributor. The difference is the tight ends get lumped together. And you may not notice what he's doing versus the fact that Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson are still struggling a little bit and the offense couldn't run the ball at all. So you don't really care if one tight end is blocking really well when the whole thing's a mess, but that's good for him. And it was a a major step forward for him. He, he, and I know that we talked about this in July or August. I had an interview with him before the season where he very specifically brought up his his run blocking is yeah. having been a failure last season. It, it had not been what he wanted it to be, and he knew. I mean, look, like <laughs> the the NFL is very obviously uh, 
a selling point in this program yeah. for Penn State, right? Penn State's coaches are telling these guys and instructing these guys like, hey, these are the things that, yeah, you need to do them for Penn State as a team to be successful. But if you want to make it to the next level, this is what has to be there yeah. in your game. And at the at that next level for, for tight ends, for the guys who aren't like Gasicki, right? You have to block. (laughs) You you have to, right? I mean, that's what Kittle does. Like it's, it's that style of play. And And, and that's who's going to be that. That's who he's going to be at the next level. If he wants to be there is he's got to be the George Kittle that can block and is an undersized receiving tight end. Not that Kittle is particularly undersized, but you know, Brenton strange kind of fits that mold. And that's the conversation you and I had is that that's his potential. That's his body type. And the funny thing is the receiving never really came to the surface here. Looking at uh, his his season-ending results when it comes to his uh, his receiving, 19 catches for 226 yards and three touchdowns. One of three or one of four, let me pull that up, one of three or one of four, one of three in contested catch situations. So he wasn't getting those, uh, those, those jump balls down the field. He wasn't even getting targeted with them. Because he wasn't getting, he wasn't even getting a good target for the the quarterback. So that's got to be the next thing that steps forward for him in 2022. Do you have a guy that uh, you thought improved as a run blocker from your observation uh, this season? Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm doing the same thing you're doing, and I'm looking at PFF stats and the thing that I think that stands out and I don't have anything to compare it against necessarily, but it it probably isn't a good sign uh, for your team that your starting guard is the highest rated run blocker at number seven, (laughs) right? Like that, that of their run of their run blocking grades, it's Devin Ford, Bryce Effner, obviously Effner playing in in a um, a limited you know type of role there on the offensive line. Brenton Strange, Landon Tangwall, who obviously played really in one game uh, extensively. Tyler Warren, another tight end. Malik Mega, who has ten snaps for the season, right? And yeah, then, and then Juice Scruggs, right? Like with yep. a, with a sixty eight point nine, which uh, by your definition as we've talked about previously, virtually means average, right? Like that's yeah. the baseline. Yeah. And that's, that's really, I think part of the problem that you, you accurately describe is there's nobody that was really good, which is why I went with Tyler Warren. The, the, the cheat here is that I'm, I'm getting to go first. Uh, but I, you know, that the other guy I would point out is Landon Tangwall, because in the limited reps that we've seen from him, he was good. But as you as you accurately described of the, the the leaders in this group, none of them are any of your starters. So that's right. going to be the thing you have to see going forward is some of those guys we haven't seen. And in the bowl game, especially what we talked about earlier in the week, those guys got to show something. 
They got to show something for for Penn State uh, to feel good going into the offseason. So I want to bring up our next uh, our next. We're just going to skip past blocker. I was going to do both, but I don't think people are happy about. Don't uh, be mean. Don't be mean. Exactly. Um, it's the holiday season, T. Frank. Best catch. Let's get to this one. Best catch of the season. To your recollection, what was the best catch that you saw? Uh, let's see here. I think it's. This- <laughs> I think it's the same one that you have. Uh, Jahan Dotson, Indiana. Is that right? Or do we, <laughs> we look at the same thing? I can go to a different one if you want, but yeah, that one. Back of the back of the end zone, north end zone for yep. an eight-yard touchdown. Yeah, that's that's, no, that's the one I was going with. Yeah, nah. I mean, look, like he. Here's the thing. Uh, he he had a catch in the I want to say the Auburn game that was. That was the one I was going to that was the one I was going to pick. That was the one I was going to let you have this one and then go with that one. Well, and it was for it was for nothing, right? Like I mean it was yeah. it was a 10-yard gain, a 12-yard gain, something like that. It was on it first was, down. <laughs> right. It was a spectacular catch. It it really it really brought to focus the reality that dude catches anything in the zip code. Like yep. his, his his ball skills are were were and are so improved that right like it, it's it's tough to tell sometimes for some for some receivers when you, you know look like uh, you could talk about Allen Robinson and contested catches like those those types of things things that really stand out in your mind as yeah. okay this guy does this particularly well well Jahan Dotson it 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 gets glossed over, I think, because it's what you come to expect the more that you see it. But yeah. he just catches everything, right? They don't have to be one-handed, you know, circus catches. They're just if it's in the area, he comes down with it. And definitely he had more than a handful of those this season that probably – would not have been receptions for for other guys for most for most guys. I'll give you another one just so that we have uh, a, a, another option here on the table. It was in the Michigan State game before it got too snowy when uh, when they they put and this happened actually two weeks in a row. I'll go back to one where you don't have the, the field conditions, um, but his play on the cover two shot for a touchdown, his ability to go up and get that one was spectacular. His best route of the season was Maryland put a safety on him in the slot, and he had a double move for the first touchdown of the game that he was open by 10 yards, and it wasn't like a busted coverage where somebody went the wrong way. He made that guy go the wrong way because of the way he ran that route. So sometimes the best catch doesn't have to be contested or it doesn't have to be a highlight reel missed throw that you you bring in. The easy ones are the best ones because you just you just blew by that guy with technique and route running. Um, best individual performance in a single game. Do you? We'll go offense and defense, uh, and I'll let you start this one if you have any in mind. Okay, um, Sean Clifford against Auburn. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. 28 of 32 passes for 280 yards and two touchdowns with one interception. And the interception was, if I'm recollecting it correctly, the end of the first half, right? He got blown up. uh, It was, he, he was throwing the ball, trying to just throw the ball up in and get a contested catch situation at the end of the half. It was basically a punt. Right. 
Yeah. Didn't take any points off the board. There was no impact on it. It just ended the half for Penn State. And I think they were even getting the ball back after that. It It's 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 just so funny seeing funny might be the wrong word, but it's just so interesting seeing the reaction to him now, given the struggles that he went through in the middle of the season when he got hurt yeah. versus what he was for those first five games of the season, including the the first quarter of the sixth game when he did get hurt at Iowa. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah. <laughs> Like it was, it was a good college quarterback. If if Sean Clifford could have extended the performance of those first six games out through the rest of the season, and look, like I understand, it's it's fair game. If you're in the game, if you're playing at that point, you're fair game for for criticism, and you have to be held accountable for what your play is. But I, I think, generally speaking, most people. And a lot of college football programs would take his performance of those first five games in a quarter yeah. uh, extended. If he had played to extrapolate that out, if he had played that way throughout the rest of the season, he was maybe the better quarterback against Michigan State in terms of, I think, some of the big throws. But when they came, dictated yep. that Penn State wasn't going to win that game. Outside of that, he would have been the best quarterback on the football field in all but maybe the game against again against Ohio State, I don't think he would have outdueled that offense. But yeah. he that would have put Penn State into in the position to win all of those games, especially the Michigan game. I firmly believe if that Sean Clifford from the first month of the season showed up against Michigan, that guy beats Cade McNamara because there wasn't anything that McNamara was doing offensively that was really all that impressive. My my best individual performance. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, I don't. I don't want to interrupt you. It's just, it it gives me so much joy and pleasure to know that we both think of one of the four college football playoff teams <laughs> that they're a total fraud <laughs> as be, as being Stone Age football. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, and I know that I know that that doesn't have a good look for me, but I just don't care. Like it's not good football. I was going back and watching some of the the tape again this week, and. Uh, <sighs> That Penn State knew where every run was going, and they stopped the majority of them. They just got too many attempts because the offense couldn't keep themselves on the football field. Anyway, uh, my best individual performance, it was actually going to be the Michigan game, but I'm going to go all the way back to week one for Arnold Ebikiti, his introduction to yeah. the Big Ten. He destroyed uh, the, Michi the, the Wisconsin offensive line, and I want to pull that up if I can get the defensive grades here quickly for, for him. Um, cause that game was impressive. I think he had nine, well, his, and his, nine and pressures. His best, sack, his best sack wasn't a sack. Right? It was a, yeah, uh, they forced, uh, two intentional groundings, seven total pressures. He didn't have a sack, but he got six hits on the quarterback. Uh, of course, five tackles, uh, in the game. So, so he was on the other line, uh, other side of the line of scrimmage for the entire game. And that yep. set the tone, I think, for the rest of the year for him. Uh, and and that was the best individual performance that I think anyone has put on the defensive side of the ball until he almost topped himself. And and, and we'll get to that in a little bit uh, during the Michigan game, because that might be something that comes up a little bit later. I uh, got to let's see. Best, uh, most improved, most improved player, offense and defense. I'll go first and I'll look at the. Uh, 
at the offensive side of the ball, I was encouraged from the uh, the improvement of Parker Washington throughout the season. He wasn't bad at any point, but he really started to hit his stride in the second half of the season where he wasn't just making routine plays. He was starting to go above expectation and establish himself as a, as a second threat that you had to pay attention to on the offense. There's a couple games early on where he had some drop issues. There were some some issues with maybe not being in the right position or or making the play he should above just getting the catch. That changed over the second half of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I I I could be misremembering this. <laughs> oh, Kevon Lee played played pretty well down the stretch. I, yeah. Yes, I mean, he, he did. He did. So maybe you maybe you find a spot for him as most. I don't know. I mean, it it was it was just it, man. The quarterback makes things go, and the offensive line makes things go. Yeah. And when they fell apart a little bit, it it was tough. I think for some of those other pieces to necessarily play up to their full potential. Well, part of part of the the remembering of Kevon League. Uh, taking a, a step forward is he had double digit carries for the final four games of the season. He had only done that three times in the previous uh, uh, nine or eight. So he had uh, eight, eight carries for 50 yards against Maryland, 20 carries for 88 yards against Michigan, 13 for 41 against Rutgers and 15 for 79 against Michigan state. So yeah, that's a strong end of the season when, when he was getting, maybe he was getting eight carries a game before. And that once he took over that establishing himself as the number one back, I think he showed an improvement there as far as production and reliability. So I want to move on to our final category here of uh, the best sack. I saved this one because to me, this was the play of the season as well. So I'm going to enter it for best sack and play of the season. Arnold Ebikidi's sack of Cade McNamara in the fourth quarter, where it should have been a game winning play for Penn State football. He sets the team up in the red zone. Uh, That play individually was one of the best pass rushes I've seen from a Penn State football player uh, in the last four years or so where it was technically perfect, it was fast, it was explosive, it was a game-changing play. Yeah, I mean, it won the game for them. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> One more? <laughs> it, About it, it, it. it should have won the game for them. Uh, any other superlatives you can think of? Any other uh, fun things that, that we missed out on? Yeah, no, you didn't, um, you didn't mention best contract. I thought that was a big <laughs> element this season. <laughs> oh, God. I was like, we don't know anything about their NIL stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, that no. one. Ugh. Yeah, no, the, the elephant in the room. Um, best offseason hire, Manny Diaz. Mm-hmm. I, I like him more now than I did, and I liked him originally on the hire. But after hearing his press conference, I was really, really impressed. I actually watched it again today and came away even more impressed. I think he's a guy who who knows what he's looking at, right? Yeah. Like that's a big part of this is just, you, you know, the game, you know, what's important, what's not. He has the experience behind it, but no, I'm just being funny and <laughs> not very funny. So <laughs> that's, that's about it. 
Well, uh, I still think we delivered today. Whether it was good or bad, we delivered something. That's for sure. Happy holidays. Uh, hopefully this was a fun trip down memory lane. I know that there's a lot of hard feelings for Penn State football fans about this season, but it was something we all experienced together, and I want to take one last, last look back before we head into the new year. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. This is the BWI Daily Edition. Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you next week. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.